Welcome to the Walder Sportscast with your host, Chris Walder. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to episode 55, the Freddie Gillespie party in the USA himself of the Walder Sportscast. And no, I am not Miley Cyrus, of course, but I am your host, Chris Walder. Find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Walder Sports. And if you want to support me and the podcast in this new year, feel free to do so by leaving a rating and review because it does go a long way towards helping me grow this show. But before we get underway here, just a friendly reminder that today's episode is once again brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. The NFL playoffs are here, and the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Now, counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if the team is victorious. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for this wildcard weekend, of course. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Now download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if the team wins. That's promo code TBPN this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. Must be 21 years of age or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So this is the first episode of 2022, a little later than I expected. I've still kind of been in holiday mode for a while now, which is weird because I'm recording this intro on January 14th of all dates, but you know, I've been recharging the batteries, trying to keep up with new resolutions and so on and so forth. I mean, obviously the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, especially where I live here in Ontario, Canada, has been causing a lot of angst amongst people. I recently just got my booster shot as well, which I'm extremely thankful for, but it's just been a chaotic stretch for me, so I'm happy to be behind the mic once again, bringing the content to your ears, and seriously, who better to kick off the new year with than a friendly face from the world of Toronto Raptors basketball, because today's guest is none other than Amy Audibert, who is a sideline reporter for Sportsnet and has been doing games as a color analyst for the Raptors recently with Alvin Williams away. Uh, for those of you who may not be familiar with her past work, including the Raptors 905, for example, I feel like Amy has garnered a lot of fandom and support for herself because of the tremendous work she's been doing in a larger role for the Sportsnet telecasts. I, I can only imagine how busy she is day to day, especially these days. So a massive thank you to her for slotting me into her schedule because we had a lot to discuss and I was very much looking forward to chatting with her. And also a big thank you to everyone out there for the incredible response to my holiday episode with my beautiful fiance Megan Howe. It was one of the best received episodes, not just in terms of downloads, but also the the comments and the text messages I received. It, it meant a lot to Megan as well, who who was very nervous uh, leading up to the show, and uh, but she ultimately had a great time with it. It was one of personally one of my favorite podcasts that I've done. I mean, a little bit biased, of course, because it was my fiance. But, you know, holiday episode aside, I think that show holds up extremely well, regardless of the time of year. So if you haven't already, go check out that show with Megan when you can. And, uh, you know, by the way, help get her Twitter following up by giving her a follow at Megan Howe underscore XO. With all of that being said, though, the talented Amy Audibert will be joining me after this quick break. So keep it locked. Perfect. Perfect. Now is Amy Audibert, a Toronto Raptors sideline reporter and color analyst for Sportsnet, who you can follow on Twitter at Amy Audibert. Amy, my friend, welcome to the Walder Sportscast. 
Thank you. Now this is like a mom I made it moment right here. So thanks for having me on. <laughs> your, one of your colleagues, Savannah Hamilton, who I had on the show recently, said the exact same thing. It's like this is like the peak of like any podcast fame that I may have is like coming on the Walder Sportscast. I mean, flattery will get you everywhere in this world, but I mean, again, I, I don't know if I, should I believe this? It, it's such a highlight for you, Amy. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, two's good. You need one more for the traditional home run. But I know. But you got to set up here. <laughs> one more. Let's go. I got to get the third <laughs> guess. I got to get that flattery. It's it's building up my ego, I must say. But uh, I was actually looking at your, your Twitter profile earlier because I use Twitter for a lot of my research for my guests. And I noticed that you said that you don't like decaffeinated drinks. And I bring this up because I get a lot of flack. I'm a big Tim Hortons guy. I like to drink cold drinks predominantly. I don't I don't really drink a lot of coffee. So I get an ice cap even in like the cold days of winter. I, I got like a medium ice cap before the show today. It's like minus nine in Scarborough. Do you feel and I always get kind of like, you know, branded a, a horrible person for this like take in my drinks. Is that something that you would be willing to do, Amy? Do you do you think drinking like a, a cold iced coffee or like an ice cappuccino in the winter is like a, a good thing or should I be just like branded a, a villain at this point? As long as it's not decaffeinated, I really don't care what it is. <laughs> it's so funny because you're the first person that has said something to me about that. Uh, listen, I'm trying to like live this efficient life, you know, and, right. and to me, like drinking a coffee that's not with caffeine in it, I just, I just can't do it. So like, I, <laughs> I mean, listen, yes, I do drink water and I always try to drink more water than I think I should drink. But, um, other than that, I just, I'm, I like, I do, I am reliant on caffeine and I did not get like that until probably about, I want to say six years ago, I was pretty good about it. And then when my schedule started getting crazy, I had to start drinking some, some caffeinated beverages around shoot around time so that, right. you know, your peak performance by 7 p.m. <laughs> is, that, is that like a taste thing or is it just like the caffeine like no. boosts you up? Because I know some people just like simply don't like the taste of like caffeinated beverages or even decaffeinated beverages. Where do you lie on the spectrum there? Um, well, I mean, to be honest, I don't, I never really loved the taste of coffee. Uh, and right. That's why I didn't drink it most of my life, to be honest. But uh, it was just the most got to be the most efficient for me. So, I mean, I love green tea. Um, I do tend to at times binge on like Diet Coke, which is terrible, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I just get in my moods where like, listen, if that's what I'm craving, there could be a lot worse things. But for me, it was like, well, I got to give up this Diet Coke. What am I going to do? And so coffee just kind of seemed to be the reasonable thing, but it wasn't the taste to answer your question. No, it's just nothing to do with taste, but there also is uh, benefits. A nice little pick me up. So <laughs> any, if anyone's listening, they've got some great suggestions other than like coffee and tea. Let me know. Um, Cause your girl likes a little help sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> we get we could seriously do like an entire podcast on like caffeinated beverages and ice caps because I'm such an ice cap fan. I can go in depth on that for like a good hour, but I, I do want to have a, a great chat with you today, Amy. I know you're extremely busy, and again, thank you for making the time to come on the podcast today because I know you've been a, a hot commodity as of late. I've seen you've been making the media rounds. You know, you you recently did breakfast television. You were on the Locked On Raptors podcast. I've heard your spots on the. Raptor show with William Liu as well. So you've been doing a, a ton of other shows and podcasts in, in recent months for a variety of other outlets. Do you enjoy being on, you know, the receiving end of questions more so, you know, in interview formats? Or, or would you be kind of the one dishing out the hard-hitting questions? Because, like, personally... I'll always be anxious doing someone else's show, no matter how many times I do it. But what, what about you, Amy? Do you like interviewing or being interviewed more so? Uh, either or. I just like to talk, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's kind of my thing. And, and to your point, it's just, I'm just available. I'm like, I'm here. So that's why people are just like, come on. <laughs> I'm a hot commodity. But um, no, listen, I mean, it's, I, I'm usually talking about the Toronto Raptors and mm -hmm. it is the team I watched growing up. And now I am extremely lucky, fortunate, humbled to be able to have a career right now currently covering the team. So anytime I get to talk about the team and, it's, and even to another level basketball, which is quite frankly, for my life to date, of mm -hmm. course, I'm happy to talk about it. I like to talk to people about it in both. I like to sit in both chairs. 
So uh, either or, as long as as long as we're chatting hoops and, and <laughs> whatever else, I'm I'm happy with it. Even decaffeinated versus caffeinated, I will talk about anything. Even coffee, the great debate for for Amy <laughs> yeah. Audibert, which we'll have to go in depth at a later time, I suppose. But Amy, I do think that one of the highlights of this Raptor season has been seeing your role elevated more and more, and I think it's obvious to to me and a lot of fans watching the games regularly that you've been a standout, especially when you served as the color analyst, when you had to step into that role. And obviously it's not a new role for you. You've been doing commentary for for years and years now for for college hoops, FIBA, Raptors 905, things of that nature. But working the desk for the Toronto Raptors, is there any added angst or even preparation that goes into that role because it is on a larger scale you do have more eyes watching you yeah yes thank you for pointing that out it's funny because there's like two parts of it right where like you know for me i just built i've spent people think that i I know that there's some people that probably think i just kind of jumped into television a couple years ago when i got the opportunity with the 905 but i mean i have been working and building and doing a lot of college and ncaa games you know eight years or so leading up to this point so Mm-hmm. Um, while the way I prepare and I try to adapt, um, to where I am always gets tweaked a little bit, like the foundation to who I am and the style I like to bring hasn't changed. Um, I know that we are, when I'm sitting in an analyst chair, I'm, you know, uh, presenting a sport and, uh, the, the styles of plays and trying to set the table for the game. I also think it's very important to me to also uh, be prepared and try to learn the who's, you know, the men and women in which I'm presenting because mm-hmm. I think it's really important to the game and sometimes that gets missed. So um, those things are still important to me, whether I'm calling, you know, an NCAA men's or women's game that I'm paying respect to the athletes and the coaches and the front offices and the staffs that make our game so great. So those things haven't changed at all. Um, but obvious, of course, when I got the call that, Hey, I was going to have to maybe bump into this B chair beside Matt, <laughs> you know, like that's great. Like that's like a, if I spend too much time thinking about that, it might not go so well, but it, it's, uh, and, uh, thank you for, for your, uh, your comments because I, you know, like I, I, uh, it's been such a crazy couple weeks. And so just trying to remain focused on my task and my job for that day, uh, has been the most important thing to me. So um, I haven't, <laughs> I'm still there. So that's been good. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. You know, that's about as good as it needs to be right now. <laughs> well, well, just speaking from your own personal perspective, because I know a lot of people in sports media, especially on-air personalities or people behind the mic, they can be their own worst critic. I think they, we talked about this briefly before recording, is that when you, when you listen back to yourself, you look, you nitpick at every little thing that you said. Are, are you one of those analysts, Amy, where you'll look back and, and you can't really enjoy the work that you've did you're more so thinking ah, I should have said this or I should have done this differently a hundred percent I've been like that for a very long time I'm definitely and I mean if you know anyone that I talk to about my career this industry I'm I am the hardest on myself um I think I'm starting to do a little bit better with that you know especially after the that game that first game um the 26th uh at Cleveland when you know, we're down 50, half the team's brand new. There's just so much going on. And like after the game, I was like, I didn't feel like I called a, you know, but it wasn't, it just wasn't like a, a, it wasn't a fun game to call for anybody, you know? And so kind of like the reality of that as well. And yeah, like I always look back, but I've sat down with some people and watched some clips and, and yeah, I'm proud. I am proud of myself because it, it has been um, quite the task. And I mean, just this whole year, everything's been different and crazy and new. So navigating the MBA um, while a lot of people who have worked in the MBA for so long are still navigating some new things mm-hmm. going on um, has been something that I've also just tried to really embrace. And I just think I'm super fortunate that I'm surrounded by some awesome people who have kind of like really guided and helped and empowered me. So if I tell, if I think I'm terrible, it's kind of a cut on them, you know, like I know <laughs> I don't think that. So uh, I've been really, really fortunate again, but you're right. Like just sitting down and listening to your, your, your tape and your film and, and watching, it's the only way we really can get better, but it's sometimes hard to do. I'm curious too, because we're recording this show at a time and 
look, I could be saying this years and years from now based on the rate we're going, where the pandemic numbers are reaching new highs, that there's new enforcement in place. As of now, there's currently no fans at Scotiabank Arena for games. And we're, we're, of course, we're all still obeying the mask mandates, doing our part to stay safe. And it's not the ideal way of doing things, but we do it for safety first and foremost. But as an announcer, Amy, a broadcaster, having to wear those masks for extended periods, does it ever present any challenges for you in terms of how you do your job, or are we kind of at the point now where it's almost like an extra appendage where you may not even really notice it anymore when you're doing your job? It's funny, I was just having that conversation with my parents yesterday, um, just because <laughs> we're still like, I'm still wearing a mask, but it's, it is starting to feel a little bit more second nature. I mean, the, of course, especially when you're presenting in front of a camera or you're speaking, because I always try to envision myself like being invited into people's living rooms when I'm calling basketball games. I just want to mm -hmm. talk hoops with you. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, of course, when there's a mask on your face, it's it's sometimes you feel like presenting is uh, it adds an extra challenge. That being said, this is our like you said, this is this is it right now. And I am not fighting it at all. I understand it. Um, I, I do believe that they are meant to protect everybody, not just me, but the people around me. And yeah, it's funny. I, I have just called a game last weekend, um, with a heavier mask on, not with a wrapper or something else. And it was kind of like, well, it didn't even bother me. I just felt like it was necessary. And you almost, I think the first couple games, there's just a bit more, uh, maybe attention on projecting and enunciating, mm -hmm. which isn't the worst thing either, right? So, um, I hope it's not for much longer, but at the same time, like you said, we just wake up every day and we, we, we adjust and swerve and do the best we can with, with where we are at, with things. Yeah, this is the new normal at this point. It's almost yeah. going to be weird to like go into the world again, not wearing masks. I mean, there will come a time <laughs> yeah. somewhere down the road, hopefully in the near future, where that will be the norm again. But now it's just we, we see people wearing masks, even, of course, like yourself announcing on television. And I know when I just sit at my desk job, when I have to wear a mask, how difficult it can be to just like, you know, get a good breath in or, or just do my job talking. And then I see people like you on the air wearing the mask for entire 48-minute games. It's kind of surreal to see you make it seem so effortless. Well, I, you know, I've thought about the healthcare workers who wear them for, you know, they're, they're lucky now, I think, some of them with 12-hour shifts, the right. way things are going, right? They've got to sit there and, like, my heart breaks for our healthcare workers. My sister's a paramedic. My mom is just a retired ICU nurse. Like, I think of them and I think of the things that they deal with. And especially when this all hit, I mean, remember that some of them were posting stuff on social of, like, their faces and just, like, the marks that were being left. So really talking hoops for 48 minutes like I'm not complaining about that we we're lucky that we still get to wake up and go do our job no absolutely that's extremely well said it almost kind of seems like you know you see the people the frontline workers the people in the hospitals you know kind of encountering this on a day-to-day -day basis they have to wear the masks and that's like the least of their concerns at this point so at this point yeah wearing a mask it's kind of like second nature but again, it's, you know, hopefully somewhere down the road in the near future, uh, we can kind of move past this together as as people. But uh, Amy, in, in kind of researching you, I've, I listen to a lot of podcasts, you know, I go very in depth hearing past interviews that you've done. And something that I very much respect about you is the grind that you've put in, you know, the amount of work and commitment it takes to get noticed, to find a steady position. And there's not many of those in sports media these days, even more so because of the pandemic. But hearing your stories, Amy, and researching you and learning about how often you had to juggle multiple jobs to take on work because basketball is, you know, one of, if not your utmost passion, how did you kind of keep yourself from the burnout emotionally and physically? And also kind of like to follow up to that, and I've asked previous guests this in the past, how do you prevent those stretches of burnout and stress from perhaps impacting your love of the sport where it feels like more of a job and less of a dream position to be in talking hoops on the daily? Yeah, I think it's like just self-awareness has been a big thing for me. I was always just the burnout is can get real at times. And when I do go speak, especially with younger students that want to try to pursue a career and do something like this, I always just say like, buckle up. That's my advice right. because it's tough. Like I'm, I don't sugarcoat that, but at the same time, is it like the most rewarding thing? Absolutely. Like if you're, if that's your goal <laughs> and that's your dream and you're getting to do it. Uh, I think I've been really fortunate that, well, a couple things. I've always had like the most amazing uh, bosses and other jobs that 
Um, I never lied. I never kind of missed, went into something and said, like, hid what I was doing or what I was trying to do. And um, it, it meant that I had some flexibility. And that's actually why I stopped coaching because I was feeling bad. Like, it's tough when you're involved in a team and then all of a sudden, like, you have to miss a game or, you you know, you're ducking out of practice early so I can go do this. Mm-hmm. But my my this was always my priority. And, you know, serving at the casino, sometimes it was like a last minute thing where it's like, hey, I picked up this gig and I was just so fortunate that I had the, the and it's not always like that. But um, it often meant that I had multiple things on the go. And I guess for the burnout stuff, it was just, you know, it, it's it's just been such a crazy time. There hasn't been too much downtime for me. You just keep you just keep going. You keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like I don't lie. Like I've had. And I've had awesome family. I've had awesome support from them. I don't know. It's, it's hard to do without that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's like a lot. It's a different lifestyle of just kind of being ready to get up and go wherever, wherever the next job is, next gig is. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's not a stable, especially when you start. It's a lot of freelance work. So mm-hmm. that means sometimes you don't know when the next job or next contract is coming up. So, um, how can I pay my bills in the meantime? And, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So, and I never, I still don't like, I still feel like, you know, I still feel like I'm, you know, where am I going to pick up another job if I have to, you know, it's just, right. it's just, I don't know. I guess everyone's wired a little bit different and, uh, yeah, I'm wired a little bit different. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, considering all of the, the grinding and the hard work that you've put in over the years, Amy, kind of putting yourself back into the mindset of someone who is still trying to carve out their own path early in your journey. At that time, what would you have said that would have been your minimum accomplishment in the industry to feel like, hey, I've really made it now as a broadcaster? What, like, what's the least that you could have done where you would have been proud and you could have just stopped there? Uh, you know, what's funny is like, and it's not to diminish anything I'm doing, but I still feel like I'm, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't right. feel there's, I never feel like I've just made it. And I think it's because I'm constantly trying to evolve and push like what I can do or where I can go. Um, but then balancing, like you said, that just like really excited about where you are too, which is why I absolutely love the G League. That's just like mm-hmm. everyone there is like so happy of being there, but it's like this unspoken, like everyone officials, front office, players, coaches, broadcasters, like, Hey, we want to go up. We want the call. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's just been such a gradual progression for me, but I've had some amazing moments, um, in the NCAA calling some awesome games, the university at Buffalo, getting to the Sweet 16 a couple years ago and taking on Duke, UConn and being there and calling that game on the radio side. Like that one will stick with me forever. Um, their coach, Felicia Gedjack, is just an incredible woman. Um, you know, I think things like the FIBA games, I know Steve Clark kind of <laughs> laughed about that, but, uh, <laughs> when he posted, but that was such a cool time, like calling the men, the U18, USA, Canada final. Um, those things are obviously near and dear to my heart, the women's game. Um, but again, this is like small, these are like little progressions one at a time. Nothing happens overnight. It's kind of just been like, um, just embracing so many different really cool moments that while I'm there working, there's a part of me that just feels like not a fan, but just like also aware of how awesome these moments are. Whether it was like college basketball or or Raptors 905, or even with the Toronto Raptors, how much research, how much preparation goes into like a day-to-day basis, like heading into a game, like say working like the, the Raptors Pistons game tonight like how soon prior to the game are you like looking through notes are you writing down players names are you kind of looking over statistics like how in-depth the process does your research go for just a single game it's a good question um i'll give you a, a little example so this past tuesday was the first time in a long time i watched the raptors game at night of course right but <laughs> up until that point like i just i i took the day completely off it's the first time i've done that in a while but I think especially as a reporter, like people don't realize how like you are on the grind and it is for the season. Like you never feel like you're not preparing, whether mm-hmm. it's watching the Raptors, whether it's watching the team that that's coming up soon, following the league, following storylines, the, the prep never stops. I think when you're in season, you just you're, you always feel like you're trying to collect information or watch games. Um in terms of like the actual game prep, I mean, it's different because like on a back to back, for example, <laughs> you don't have a whole lot of team and <laughs> or, excuse me, a whole lot of time. And sometimes like that second game on that day, like, for instance, last week, um, 
who did we have? We had uh, at San Antonio and then Milwaukee. I think that was the order, the right. two teams. And so we had San Antonio at home. And then the next day, I just kind of watched the last, studied some Milwaukee trends coming up. Um, and then obviously just knowing where the Raptors are right now, there's that part helps a lot. But yeah, and I mean, as far and in the reporter role, like I, we were talking about before, I have a pen and paper lady. And I mean, I have like a main where like press conferences, you're constantly just like pulling concepts, quotes, ideas, um, writing them in there. And sometimes like just kind of going and rereading the last week or so refreshing because you never know what's going to happen in a game, right? Like you could mm-hmm. have all this stuff prepared on OG and all of a sudden like Gary's going off. So now you got to maybe try to like go back to also something that Gary said or did or something that's going on that you can add to context to what's happening. So uh, that again, it's a very long winded answer, but it, in the, especially in the middle of the season, to me, it just, it never stops. Like you were hired for the season to do a job. Is there such a thing as downtime for Amy Audibert? I mean, just people in the sports in the sports industry in general, like specifically in basketball, because like that's kind of the backgrounds that we have, of course, you more so. You know, even during the off season, there's there's trades, there's free agencies, there's still media appearances that you have to do. Maybe you're not on television as much as you would be during the regular season, but I feel like constantly, like if you were to have a day off, for example, your mind is still in basketball mode are you able to kind of turn your brain off for those days to kind of let yourself recharge the batteries or is it just like basketball 24 7 yeah so the best thing i did during covid and i know a lot of people say this that they did it and i don't know if it was the best or not was i went and got a dog (laughs) (laughs) because it's kind of and it really has like forced me to number one take responsibility for something else (laughs) that's a lie (laughs) i don't have kids but i have a dog and i treat him like a kid because he basically is um, but yeah, I know it sounds funny, but like he needs to walk and he needs to walk almost an hour, almost every morning. So that's kind of my time where, okay, guilty is charged. Sometimes I listen to podcasts or like I'm kind of getting caught up on the night before, but mm-hmm. then there's other times where I talk to my friends or I listen to music. I live in Niagara Falls, which means that my commute up to Toronto, I can't be on my phone. I can't be watching something. And in some ways it's been really nice because again, that's kind of a good time for me to do those things. And, uh, it's been, I've been finding the balance has been, um, really, it's been fun, I guess, in some ways. Yeah. Have you considered moving to Toronto? Because I'm just visualizing that drive from Niagara to get to the city. That must be kind of dreadful. The views must be nice, but in terms of just like the length and distance, it can't be too convenient. Uh, you know what? It's usually not a problem, um, because I get up way before obviously tip and then which is we're not in heavy traffic and then by the time we get out of Scotiabank it's it's a smooth sail back so I've actually haven't minded it at all um I did consider the move I I was either going to move up or I was gonna I had to buy a new car so I went with the Mm -hmm. car figure it was a better investment than a six-month apartment but uh again like if if, you know back to back so sometimes if we get in and it's really like you know three o'clock in the morning off the road or um a really bad weather storm like sure i'll just crash like i'll get a room i'll rent a room or something that stuff's all kind of like deal with it as it happens um not against moving to toronto but niagara's home for me and funny i spent a lot of time thinking this wasn't the place for me um especially when i got back from college and now it's just like i i can go i can i can relocate i can move it's kind of just been a really convenient and good and family's here and it's just i don't know i'm comfortable at home so i enjoy coming home to niagara something i wanted to touch on quickly here with you as well and because it was such a pivotal moment of of last season was that all women's broadcast for the raptors when they played the denver nuggets that night it kind of shined a light on just how many talented broadcasters and analysts are, are currently associated with the team and seriously how special it was to see all of you prominently featured on a night like that so First off, Amy, a, a little under a year later, I believe, because I think it was in March of last year, what, what's your fondest memory of that game, whether it was something connected to actually working it or perhaps the response you received afterwards? And have you heard anything about the Raptors doing it again this season? Because I think it's a no-brainer that it's going to happen. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, first of all, like it's just been a big step forward in that they've you know, a lot of the faces that were on that show are now 
on regular voices um, with the Raptors, and that was awesome. Uh, the moment I, I think it's I know it sounds funny, but I keep going back to the fact that I remember they played the Denver Nuggets and they played so good, like they played so good that night, and <laughs> I think they had lost a bunch right around then. You know, the COVID just really it really hurt them last year, right? And um, there were so many things going on to be prepared for, for that game, right? The trade deadline was the next day, so there was this whole like idea that might this might be Kyle's last game. They're not playing well. No one knew what to expect. And you know what I remember, honestly? I remember OG playing the best defense on Jokic and like really banging him up in the first half. Like that's the stuff that fires me up so much. And and uh, I know like Tangerine Fan Angle is awesome because they went and found all these like young girls, young women. And it's like you said, it's almost a year later. And I still I still get messages about um, just, oh, you know, that meant so much for us. And um, it was really, it was an awesome moment. But again, I just, it, it we are out there. We're not trying to like come in and run the show and take everyone's jobs. But just like for me, it's just it was an it was an opportunity to be like, hey, we we can do this too. Um, and I think that we showed that, and that was the most important thing. I love that your mind went immediately back to like basketball mode there, where yeah. you were like, I remember OG Ananobi's defense on Nikola Jokic being like one of the highlights of that. Day. I was I so mean- fucked up at <laughs> halftime. Like I remember just sitting there and be like, I maybe mean, that's it, right? Like that's the end of the day. Like it is my love, it is my passion, it's the things that fire me up the most. Um, so yeah, and then they gave us that in that night. Um, everyone who sits in a broadcast. Um, in the industry knows that when your team's playing well, it's, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say easier, but it's certainly a more fun way to present the game. And we had that. So I was really grateful. I don't, you know, I don't think the Raptors went in and said, Hey, let's, <laughs> let's be magic tonight. Cause the women are on, but they were, you know, it just, it worked out really well. And I was thankful for that. Well, and it was such a somber night too, because like you said, I think a lot of us thought that it was going to be Kyle Lowry's last game. I mean, he did last a little bit longer, no longer with the team here, but again, an historic night um, for the women's the women's team for the Raptors there. And hopefully, again, we can see uh, a similar situation this season because I think it was received so well, and all of you ladies did such a tremendous job that I think it is inevitable uh, that we do get that all women's broadcast again this season. So fingers crossed on that. But uh, Amy, I do have a a semi-regular segment here on the show where it's pretty simple in concept. It's called Likely or Unlikely. I'm going to throw a few Toronto Raptors-related scenarios at you. You tell me if it's likely or unlikely and give me a brief explanation why. Sound good? Sounds fun. (laughs) (laughs) So Amy, likely or unlikely, based on his recent play, and maybe he'll perhaps be aided by an injury to another player, who knows, but despite the amount of time that he's missed this season, Pascal Siakam makes his way onto the 2022 NBA All-Star team. Likely. And in my explanations, I think the coaches and players are super aware with what he's doing right now. Uh, obviously, he's getting to the paint on anyone, but his like the way he's facilitating and defending, like they they paid so much more attention to that. So I was really happy to see him um, jump in at number eight this week. Do you think there? And I hated myself for even asking this on Twitter yesterday. Do you think there's a scenario where? Pascal Siakam makes the team and Fred Van Vliet doesn't. Oh, don't make me cringe. I know. I mean, the way, no, I mean, again, you go to the coaches and the players and in the media and everything. I mean, what Fred's doing is like, it's crazy out there. And, and the thing with Fred is that he, he talked about it. So this is not me like sharing any secrets. He said like mm-hmm. right now he's just kind of in this like groove. He's on fire right now. Like he's aware of that he was laughing. I think he joked and said he, he just, you know, he hopes it lasts a little bit longer. Right. But, you know, if he comes out of it, we all know Fred, he's going to facilitate, you know, like Fred's going to do his, always do his best impact winning basketball. And I, I'm hoping that right now his little, like his, his the fire that he's on just stays a couple, a little bit longer because it's the timing for it is that he de- he deserves to be an all-star. I mean, and it's no offense to like, you know, Kyrie who hasn't played the whole game. We know how the voting works, right? but you know, um, absolutely. Is he deserving of it? Of course he is. I, I I don't I want to say unlikely to your question because I can't say likely. I just <laughs> <laughs> Well, how about this, Amy? Likely or unlikely because it does feel inevitable that Goran Dragic will not be finishing the season as a Toronto Raptor, but the team somehow manages to trade Dragic for assets rather than buying him out of his deal. 
Yeah, I think that's likely. I mean, I listen, I think we all have to put some, at least a little bit. I mean, I put a lot more than a little bit, but there's a lot of naysayers. Like, you got to put your trust and faith into Bobby Masai and what they've done. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, like, we all know Gordon, Gordon's got some, some game in him. And uh, I'd like to believe there's a plan. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, anyway, with Drajek. I mean, he's just chilling in South Beach right now, training with another team. Not the best look if you're a Raptors fan, but I, again, I think his time with the franchise is slowly winding down but uh lastly amy likely or unlikely and i know they've made up and they're the best of friends now but let's be honest devin booker he was completely out of line for calling out the raptor mascot when he was at the charity stripe during that recent suns game uh i like i can't stop i can't stop laughing every time I think about <laughs> it. it's just great i i really think i i part of me thinks that he thought the first like if you when he let the first shot go, it kind of like I think he almost thought it wasn't going to go in because it, mm-hmm. it wasn't a clean shot. And, you know, when he's just like your reaction is like as a player, you can feel the ball go off wrong. I'm wondering if he like was like kind of that was his reaction was like he just because it was the only thing in the room was the laughter was the <laughs> only thing in the room that was like you had to blame something. And then he just rolled with it. I don't know. But sorry, is it that they'll be cool again? I no, mean, just it's like, be... <laughs> just like that Devin Booker just completely blew that out of proportion. I mean, he he's a professional NBA oh, player, sure. an all-star sure player. There's one and mascot. He knows. he knows he did. I'm pretty sure, <laughs> like, the thing is, is, like, I just can't wait until when he comes back to Toronto next year. Not that it's like this, like, people are so enraged. Like, I don't think anyone's so mad at him because it was so comical. But I think it was more just like, I, I, I who was I talking to yesterday or today? I said, I hope they're like mass producing foam heads somewhere, like Raptor foam heads, <laughs> because the entire baseline needs to put those on. You know, it's just they used be to so do that funny. back in the day for the, the little kids anyway. It would like have yeah. the opening, like the foam heads, and you know the Raptor is already like thinking about oh, like on. when the Suns return and there's fans back in the building, how we can go above and beyond. Because if it was uh, just him rattling awesome. Booker, oh my God, it's gonna be. It, Epic. I can only imagine it right now, but hopefully, again, bring the fans back because I want to see something like that in the not-too-distant future. But, uh, Amy, again, I want to thank you once again for coming on the podcast. Your time is, of course, greatly appreciated. But before we do come to a close, as a recurring segment here on the show, I do have some fun final questions to send you on your way. Absolutely. Keep them rolling. This is great. This question comes courtesy of one of my followers, and you alluded to him earlier, Steve Clark, uh, at Steve Clark Media on Twitter, and he told me that the two of you once called an under-18 game back in 2018 between the United States and Panama, where the score was, according to him, 43 to nothing after the first quarter. So, Amy, what do you remember most about that single quarter of basketball, and has anything ever come close to being as one-sided as that stretch? No, so that's funny. I I think they I think the fight so USA ended up winning the game by 92 points. They <laughs> oh won the God. game by 92 points. Um so I remember feeling afterwards like I felt like crap because again, I thought I was so bad, but I didn't know how to do that differently and anyone mm-hmm. I reached out to was like laughing at me like nobody knows how to do that. Like come on, that's <laughs> Just relax, like it's you know, and and the thing I would say about it is this: I USA did not like run the score like they were being unsportsmanlike or anything. Right. Bill Self was the head coach. He played everybody when they got out on the floor. They played hard. They weren't like doing like dunks and like celebrating. Honestly, I I had so much more respect for that program. I think everyone has to have at least some element of respect for Canada ba- or for um, basketball, the USA program, just because they're dominantly like every year. And you can love them or hate them. But I had so much respect for those that group of young men because like in the locker room after, like there was no like sell, like they weren't like celebrating and acting like crazy. Like they just were like, yeah, we did our job tonight. Everyone who touched the floor executed. They basically hit every shot. I felt awful for Panama because, you know, it was just tough. You, you never want to see that. But again, like it wasn't like it was unsportsmanlike. It was such a weird kind of game because it was like, what do you do? And I mean, that... So that U.S. that U18 team, I mean, some of the guys on the team, I'll tell you, like Cole Anthony, Io Dasumi with the Bulls, Colby White, Tyrese Maxey. Like it was cool because 
seeing them now and seeing mm -hmm. them, this was like three years ago. Uh, but yeah, crazy experience. Um, I'm ha I'm happy I had it with Steve Clark because he's he's cool. Like we were like both like, what do we do? I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, <laughs> it was a game, man. And like like you said, that 43 nothing start, you were kind of like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I don't know. Like I don't know, this is gonna be a long game. I'm glad the Raptors never have to be on the receiving end of something like that because I don't know if the Raptors Twitter fan base could ever stomach that or any NBA fan base for no. that matter because yeah, that's I don't pretty think rough. You'll see that? Yeah, I've never seen anything like that, and I don't think I will again. And it's just. Uh... Yeah, I don't, I don't think about it often because I just, it's like you feel bad, but then also, like I said, I just, anytime, I, anytime it comes up, like I do reiterate, I'm not just saying this, like I thought Team USA handled it as well as possible too. Like they're not going to go in there. Like their 1 through 12 was really good, you know? So it right. wasn't like you don't put your bench in and be like, don't try. Especially when, by the way, like every, every college coach in America is sitting there, like, come on, you know, like they're, mm -hmm. yeah. So, anyways. <laughs> well, shout out to Steve Clark for rehashing that memory because yeah, uh, Lord knows I wouldn't have found that in the vault, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. But, uh, Amy, I ask everyone this on the Walder Sportscast because I'm always curious of my guests' viewing habits. What do you find yourself currently binge-watching? Or if you're not watching anything at the moment, what do you think is the last great show that you've caught? Um, okay, so when you talk about, like, also carving time out, I do every once in a while, like, get into a show. Um, I just finished obviously the Dexter reboot okay. and I'm not going to spoil it for any listeners but I can't say I feel much better than the regular season really regular season wow because that was a controversial now. ending to the original season this one didn't redeem it um it okay in some ways it did it it did but it didn't like it did redeem it but you still don't feel like good about it I guess like when you're cheering for a serial killer it's never gonna go well for you <laughs> <laughs> that's true. i'm also i also give you one more like little nugget i love i mean over the pandemic i got obsessed with rupaul's drag race okay. i just think they are like drag queens are super i don't know how much you know about drag queens i think they're the most talented human beings they really are they do it all and they don't have the easiest circumstances and there's a part of that community that's really inspiring to me so i like i love it <laughs> it's so awesome <laughs> Well, someone is looking at my questions here because that is the perfect oh. segue to my next question <laughs> because yeah. listening to your past podcast experiences and, and checking out your Instagram feed, I learned, of course, that you are a massive fan of drag queens. I saw yeah. that you attended the Night of the Living Drag event as well, which you posted a photo from. So, so Amy, for anyone who's never attended a drag event before or may even be skeptical, how would you kind of go about describing the energy of those shows and perhaps convincing someone who uh, may be skeptical of going themselves to end up going and having a good time with it. Uh, that was an awesome evening. It was my first drag show, which sounds crazy, but like during COVID, there weren't opportunities to, to go out and see much, but super entertaining. Honestly, it doesn't matter uh, what background you come from. If you go to a drag show, you're going to have fun and be entertained. It was a show and I actually went to BRTF um, the Niagara College radio broadcast and television program with mm -hmm. uh, Priyanka, who won Canada's Drag Race. That was like one of my best buddies in, in college. We were partners for a lot of work. Um, so kind of like I'm like a personal fan, obviously, uh, of Priyanka, who performed that night. But also uh, just Mark was, I mean, talented, like soaking stardom. Everyone knew it in our program. And so for him to find Priyanka and just shine and like really... In the drag community, Priyanka is ultra famous, like a star. It's so cool, and I'm just so proud of her uh, and what what they've been able to do. It's just been amazing. I've watched my fair share of RuPaul's Drag Race as well. I must say, Aww. you know, that was a pandemic show for my fiance, and she would have it on. And I feel like there's a song that RuPaul would sing that would constantly come on. I. I I, it was stuck in my head for like a good like couple of months because we were watching it so regularly and now it's kind of like evading me but like who, who are some of your favorites from the seasons that you've watched i may be familiar with some of these people oh my gosh so well i love brooklyn heights i mean my one of my best friends who watches it with me he actually got me a brooklyn cameo for my birthday like oh, wow. ago, on okay. my phone and sometimes i still watch it <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, like, uh, Monique Hart is one of my favorites. I don't know, with, uh, with Monet Exchange, those two are amazing. I mean, there's so many. They're, like I said, like, you get it, right? Well, I say they're, like, the most talented people. Like, the mm -hmm. way that they 
present themselves. I don't know. Do you have a favorite? <laughs> I, I was going to say like uh, Priyanka. Um, yeah. Because I know I have a mutual friend with him, uh, Rachel Benetta, who works for or used to work for Fox Sports. Uh, and I think he used to do some stuff on uh, YTV. Yes, uh, back yep. in the day so and I think yeah. I also see him in a lot of commercials like when I'm watching YouTube like YouTube ads I think like he did some BMO stuff and whatnot mm. and I again watching like the RuPaul's Drag Race I have a lot of respect for these people because I think they're incredibly entertaining and I think a lot of people who are kind of like you know wishy-washy about going to a show live I've never personally gone because, again, this was during the pandemic and no one's really doing a lot of anything these days. But I think that's something that I would like to do in the future is, like, go to one of these shows and, you know, just kind of, like, have fun with it. Don't be such a stickler and just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, you're going to be entertained. I'll tell you, like, it's crazy. And again, like, so talented. Dancing, singing, makeup, everything. It's just, like, the ultimate presentation. It's 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 amazing. So right before the initial shutdown at the start of the pandemic, I had been training to be a blackjack dealer at the oh. Great Blue Heron Casino. And in researching you, and you touched on this earlier, I read that you kind of have a casino background of your own because you worked at the famous coffee shop at Falls View Casino Resort. Yeah. So do you have any memorable customer interactions from your days working that job? And perhaps maybe even indirectly, because I feel like regulars at casinos can be very unorthodox with their behaviors. Yeah, if you work in a casino, like it's just a different, it's a different life. <laughs> it's crazy. <Yep. laughs> but I, I loved it. And I will say, I mean, I worked there for a long time because um, in Niagara Falls, it's a tourist in the city and those bosses were amazing. So basically all summer when I wasn't working in the summer, I would like, when I tell you like I would work my tail off, I would make so much money in those like eight to 10 weeks, but I just didn't stop. Mm -hmm. um, and in the summer, of course, like it, we get a lot of like, we customers from all over the world. Um, there was definitely like some regulars and uh, one of my favorites is Roger. So little older Irish man or British man, <laughs> excuse me, who, who works on boats. But yeah, I mean, I think more than anything with the staff, because I, I, and I mean, it, it doesn't sound like you have the chance to actually go work, but you, you become buddies with a lot of the staff and you all are kind of just like, if you work in a casino, I tell you every day is a new day and <laughs> it is so funny. And I never, and I, I do like, I don't mind slot machines myself, mm -hmm. uh, but I never play here. So if I'm traveling on the road, I, I like to play and I don't know, you just don't, you don't go into a casino the same after you've worked at one. Well, I did make friend. I was there long enough to make friends with one of the chefs there who hooked me up with a sandwich oh. every other shift. So I was very happy go. about that. Very smart. Very <laughs> smart. <laughs> make, make friends with the people who are serving the food. Let me tell you, if there's anyone out there trying to get into the casino industry right now, which may be yeah. a little bit difficult because of the pandemic, but. But yeah, being a, a blackjack dealer, I was very much looking forward to it. A lot of training and a lot of math went into it. So my basketball background with the stats really did help. But again, they kind of shut the building down uh, when the pandemic was first starting. So that may not be in the cards for me in the future, but that's totally fine. It is what it is. But um, No pun it, intended, huh? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I walked right into that one. But uh, Amy, I'm, I'm curious. Who is puppy training more difficult for, you or your dog, Gus? 150% me. This has been the, like the greatest challenge of my life. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, it's funny. I uh, I went and I, our friends of our family have German short hair pointers. They mm -hmm. um, are like NAFTA. They win contests. They are like these elite hunting dogs. I don't hunt. I'm actually like a super pro animal like advocate. Yes. But I was actually trying to rescue when any any um, any rescue that I kind of was like getting close to like something would cut up come up like we have a cat. I have a cat that I also rescued. Didn't do well with cats. Um, the situation wasn't gonna work. So. I ran into the family friend and they were like, yeah, we're, we're just having a litter. There's one left. And I was like, all right, well, I'll just, yeah, sure. I'll get a pointer. Like I don't hunt and I have a hunting dog who needs to constantly be stimulated from, like he's smarter than me most days. Um, again, like, <laughs> even my, my parents are like, this is worse than the kids. Like, this is crazy. Um, but I love him. Like I said, he just, he's kind of, it's been like getting a kid. So it's, <laughs> it's <been> crazy. <laughs> Gus shot up. I saw pictures of him as a puppy, yeah. and now he's he's a big boy. He he got well, right up there. The funny story about that is, I thought I was getting the rent of the litter, and I kept saying I don't want a dog that's too big, mm -hmm. and he's way bigger than all his brothers and sisters. We we know a lot of people that um, also 
got one with the litter and I keep saying, well, my mom didn't know why it was going to happen, right? Like when you have a baby, you don't, a baby girl, you don't think she's yeah. going to be like a 6'2 beast that like is super loud and rambunctious. <laughs> so I keep saying, you know what? If my mom did it, I can do it too, you know? <laughs> you can't foresee these growth spurts. And, and I no, must say, there was, this, there was this one photo on your Instagram. I think it was of Gus when you first got him as a puppy. And I think yeah. the cat that you were referring to kind of sitting yeah. on the stairs looking over, it was like a little white floofster of a cat. Yeah, she just with like angry. the evil she's, look. Yeah. yeah, she's an angry cat. And for anyone listening, I basically went and rescued a, a Persian, uh, an angry cat, and they are just starting to like, kind of like, it's not him, it's her, but she's mm-hmm. starting to kind of play a little bit more, but it's taken about two years, so, <laughs> and she's constantly <laughs> mad. <laughs> and, and lastly, Amy, while you certainly have a long career in sports media ahead of you, if you were to no longer be on the air, no more reporting, commentary, even social media, what would you want your fans, followers, supporters to most remember you for? Wow, that's a good question. And I appreciate you sending those good vibes. You never know know in our industry. (laughs) (laughs) I ask this to everybody. I'm not foreshadowing anything. I know you do have a long and prosperous career ahead of you. But like, just to say if it were to end today for whatever reason, how would you want people to remember you for? I think it's just that they felt like they were talking to with a friend or to a friend or you know like that's always my my goal is to just like share share how much I love the game and the people that make it so great uh, with everybody Uh, that's always always been the most important thing to me and so I hope I can kind of continue to do that right I want people to watch a game and feel like they're just they're not like they're, they're not paying attention to me they're watching the game they're learning something or enjoying it right like i never mm-hmm. i don't know I, that sounds kind of funny my, my the thing i want to leave behind is you don't remember me you remember the great game or something you learned or whatever that may be <laughs> well that's a sign of a good announcer that gets you more enthralled deeper into the action that you're watching ahead of you and believe me amy i was not trying to jinx you in the slightest <laughs> bit i know the best has come the best is to come for you my friend in your career but again thank you so much for joining me today on the Walder Sportscast. Your time is incredibly appreciated. I know how busy you are, but before I let you go, my friend, remind the listeners where they can find you on the web. Sure, and only nice comments. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> my Twitter is at Audibert, and my Instagram is the same thing, at Audibert. And other than that, like, I'm pretty, you know, that's it. <laughs> Amy, thank you so much again for doing this. All the best. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure the last little bit here. And that was my interview with Amy Audibert, who, like she mentioned, can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Audibert. An absolute joy to chat with. A a star is born, my friends. More of her on the Raptors telecast, please. Her knowledge of the game is vast, and I absolutely love and admire her approach to the game. So keep tabs, people. Buy your Amy stock now, because it is only going up. This has been episode 55 of the Walder Sportscast. If you enjoyed today's show, let me know by leaving a rating and review to support the podcast, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Podbean, and Amazon. Obviously, use promo code TBPN over at DraftKings Sportsbook. And if you want more Scotty Barnes updates on your Twitter timeline, give me a follow at Walder Sports. For now, that's another win in the books. So as always, I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Walder Sportscast. Hit that subscribe button on iTunes and follow Chris on both Twitter and Instagram at Walder Sports.